are getting a little bit ugly out there. Give them them all a cookie and make them settle down. This episode is already definitely going to be titled Behind Enemy Lines. Because sitting with us, we have Adam Lascaris, managing editor of LeafsNation.com. Standing at six foot five, a massive hundred and eleven pounds, coming all the way from where are the Quarthas? Where are you from? Toronto, Ontario. Toronto, Ontario. Adam, welcome to the show. Um, this is the we have four people around these mics. This is this is a, a re- this is a new for the Winged Wheel podcast. Welcome, Adam. Thanks for having me. Um, we're putting you through the ringer today. Throw me through the gauntlet. That's how I like it. <laughs> if you guys want to know about. Our relationship with Adam, you've probably heard us mention him quite a few times leading up to this episode. Um, Adam came over to my place just before. Um, I apologized to him profusely for the state of we my place. We met on Tinder. We met on Tinder. Like last week. Huh? I, we both swiped <laughs> left, but still somehow matched. Um, yeah, we were both on the exclusive membership and we didn't want to admit it. So we were top picks for each other. But um, <laughs> no, I guess I'll just speak into it. Uh I used to actually be the managing editor for wingsnation.com, which, uh, if you don't know, is the site that this podcast is hosted on, um, somewhat. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, so, I mean, that site's had an interesting history. It was uh, first hosted, or first uh, the first managing editor in history was uh, Jeff Fayette, also known as Jeffler, who uh, was, uh, I don't know if he wants to call himself a Leafs fan, but a Toronto um blogger and then i took over the reins from him just trying to get my feet in the water and then um we passed it on to nick sagan who is obviously a wings fan which is much better for running a wing site but uh so uh yeah like i i wrote there for a bit and uh met these three fine gentlemen through there and uh so i mean i obviously had other things going my life on in my life but um that's how i came uh you know, to be here, and Ryan's been bugging me for three years to come on the podcast yeah, at some point. Yeah, so I decided to, you know, <laughs> to take the go train up, and uh, yeah, decide to become a guest. Um, I got out of the shower, and I came. I got out of the shower, and all I hear is, uh, "Ryan, come down here." And I go down into my living room, and he had figured out how to turn on my TV and turn on Peppa Pig, which was playing <laughs> on my TV. That is about all the context you need for Adam. Uh, so just qualify everything he says with that story in your head. <laughs> On today's episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast... Oh, sorry. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. I'm Evan! <laughs> you hear me? We've relegated Evan to like two feet farther uh, from the mic than he usually is. We put Evan and Adam on the same mic just to kind of maximize Adam's airtime here. <laughs> I don't think it's working. Yeah, I don't think that's <laughs> offensive to Evan. I think it's just accepting what reality is. <laughs> uh, everything and nothing has happened since the last time we spoke. Of course, we're going to talk about the Red Wings. Um, I feel like that's going to be a quick conversation until we rope Adam into it. He has some hot takes, uh, actual hot takes. I think he might he might lose some fans. Dylan Larkin, dark horse MVP candidate. Oh, uh, 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 maybe not. <laughs> Larkin, no. Beaver um, wire, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he looked up some fancy stats. Fancy stats. You know, them fancy stats I that saw, they used to sign them Europeans. I saw Dylan Larkin's <laughs> Corsi Rel. I know you can't speak anything poor about him. Uh, we'll talk about the, <laughs> the drama in Columbus, which is a phrase that has never been uttered in human history. But it's actually, this moment. it's actually ramped up to some pretty serious levels. So if you haven't heard of Bobrovsky, what do we call it? 
I don't want to call it gate. We're not calling it gate. Bobrovsky bait. No, that um, sounds like something on the internet. Nope, that's we're so on, we're on a list now. <laughs> the the case of Bobrovsky, I don't know. The curious case of Bobrovsky, I don't know. Dirty cops, but that also sounds like something on the internet. <laughs> uh, oh boy, it's Bobrovsky. You're off the case. You're gone. I don't Question know. Question mark. This is Winged Wheel Podcast after dark. Everything's just going to kind of be allegory for adult film. Um, and then we're going to talk about uh, the various stories in the Pacific Division that are uh, piquing everyone's interest, which is also the first time that's ever been uttered in human history. And we're going to get into overtime. Uh, so the Red Wings um, have embraced the tank and have lost two straight games in regulation uh, against Washington and Montreal. Uh, they're interesting games. The Washington game, they actually had a good middle 40 minutes, if that makes sense. Take the small victories in the game. No, they actually played well because... Um they were out shooting Washington for a good chunk of the game. They looked like a competent NHL team for the first time in a while. And then they remembered they're the Detroit Red Wings and Washington remembered that they're the Washington Capitals. And the third period went as such. Yeah, it was just purely a moment of a good team playing well and then not well and then well again. And then they beat the Red Wings. Yeah, the Montreal game was more interesting to me. Uh, not because um, Montreal won or anything. It was because uh, I, he's been putting up stats lately, but this was the game where I felt like Andreas Athanasiu started to look like he did again earlier in the season where he had that like four-week dominant stretch. He looked like that again. He probably should have had a hat trick. He actually had a couple really good chances that he missed on, but still ended up with two. Um Absolutely beautiful goals. Snip shows, if you will. 17 goals in the year. Yeah, and his career high is 18. Yeah, so he has a good shot of hitting 30, which is uh, the the step up that we didn't think was coming for Athens this year. And when you put into context that no Red Wing has scored 30 goals in a season since 2009, Adam, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> it's been a decade since the Red Wings have had 30 goals. Yeah, it was, I think, Hosa and Datsuk did it that year, and nobody has done it since. Hosa hit 41 that year, right? Something like that? We don't talk about him um <laughs> the red wings coming up have before uh the next episode of the pod they have winnipeg on friday oh boy and they're gonna follow it up with minnesota 24 hours later both away games um so naturally detroit's gonna win both of them of course yes, this is how it works uh, right adam um <laughs> sometimes they play games and they win them occasionally in the shootout <laughs> and uh it's just i don't know it's it's a weird thing if you I think the one thing that sort of piqued the interest for me was we, uh, I sent this to Ryan and I saw a Tyler Dello tweet a while ago and it was like, I'm surprised, but Detroit's the worst team in the league in regulation this year, meaning that they just like have the fewest points from regulation games. And Ryan's like, why are you surprised? They play overtime every single night. And yeah, so I mean, like it, it's an interesting team because like they, I like I, I have this thing where I was just trying to find it where I text Ryan sometimes and it, it'll be like, <laughs> Hey Ryan, it's the second period of a Wings game. It's two two right now. Who do you think is going to score the winner? And we like usually pick a player from the other team. Um, but <laughs> it's it's either like it seems like they're two two every single time in the second period for whatever reason, or they're like three two and they'll tie it up, or they're up four two and you know it will be tied up anyway. And that seems like it's been the case. I mean, I think the funniest case of that this year was uh, during the Leafs game when they were playing in Toronto. And uh, Tavares scored to tie it up with like nine seconds left, and everyone was just like, "Yeah, that was going to happen. Like, why not? It's the Red Wings, it's the Leafs. Like, there's this weird thing, and it's just going overtime. Nobody can stop it. It's going to happen." And so, 
I don't know. Like if they, the, the wings are funny where they, they're entertaining, but like they also don't win very often. Are they? Are they though? There, <laughs> well, there's a lot worse iterations you could have of a team who's not very good because I don't think too many people would say the Red Wings are good by any stretch. But oh, have you, you, have I showed you Twitter or Reddit? That's true. You, you could, but I think, well, Reddit will tell you Jeff Blashill's a good coach. So who knows what you're going to find yeah, there? Um, I've I've read those threads. Oh, I know your account on Reddit is. I don't have an account on Reddit. It's um, a treasure. He doesn't have an account. Uh, we will not expose my username. I'm not saying a username. <laughs> but uh, you can find me in the Red Wings. It's so. at or it's you slash uh, blue the blue wombat. Yeah, that yeah, that's that. it. That's <laughs> the one. We'll, we'll go with that. But no, I think uh, there's a lot worse ways you could go about an 82 game season than being you know close enough in every game. But at the same time, um, you know they've shown that they're not very good at protecting leads and just because they're good at coming from behind also means they're behind a lot so what do you mean not good at protecting leads they play a protect style they have the lead now let's defend it's like prevent defense in football it prevents wins i don't know um that's (laughs) that's the classic joke but it fits um so yeah like it's there's something usually going on and but i think the thing is if you just look at I don't even know what the team's goal differential is right now. Negative 28. So, um, I think their regulation goal differential is worse somehow. I don't really know how. Because <laughs> they probably won more in OT yeah, and shootouts so, than they have in regulation. Like, like you're, you're almost expected to lose by one goal on any given night, which is obviously problematic for many reasons. And I think the one thing I look at is just like, like I remember looking at the Oilers goal differential recently because the Oilers are hilarious and everyone likes to laugh at them anyway, like no matter how good your team is. And I think I was looking just if you wanted to compare the Oilers to the Leafs because that's what I was doing. If you wanted to like say that McDavid would be the difference maker, which he already is in Edmonton, but if you wanted him to bring up the Oilers to the level of the Leafs by himself, he'd have to like already have 100 points this season, which doesn't <laughs> make any sense at all. So, I, yeah, I don't know. It's just like they had – obviously the Wings haven't been great this year, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Nobody expected them to be good. Um, I guess it's probably a good segue into a point I was making from uh, Dom Luschichin. Uh, Bless you. That's basically how you pronounce it, of what I've heard. I think I messed it up a little bit, but um, he did an article today on The Athletic, and he basically looked at – he does projections every day for the league as a whole, and uh, – he looked at the difference between his projections and what the actual team's point pace is right now. And the Red Wings were in the category of status quo, where there was a few other teams, some of them good, some of them bad. And they, um, he sort of looked at the difference between what they were on pace for and what he his projections for the rest of the season, which are based on like a bunch of models about how good the players are. And he said, everybody knew they would be bad, and they are in fact... Nearly exactly as bad as predicted. Thank you, next. That was his entire thing that he wrote about the Red Wings. He wrote at least 100 words for every other team in the league. Um, <laughs> the Red Wings, if you haven't figured out by now, they're like not very hard to read. Um, but anyway, that was a bit of a tangent. But so Larkin and Grit and... I'll have, no, you, actually, no gritty. I'll have you guys know that the, the most important stat for the Red Wings, they are currently tied for second in games played this year. Are they still tied for second? They're still tied for oh, second, yeah, okay. with 45. That was my favorite graphic of all time. It was, it was, they presented that graphic right after they finished talking about how the Red Wings were third in the league in defensive zone draws one on the road. That's not sarcasm. <laughs> they actually presented that. Face-offs. That's, 
Anyhow, Detroit is currently sitting at 27th out of 31 teams right now, uh, but they have at least one game in hand on the four teams below them. Four games in hand on St. Louis, or sorry, the teams below them, below them have at least one game in hand. St. Louis has four games in hand. Philly has two games in hand. If every team below them wins their games in hand, they'll pass Detroit. Detroit would be last. That's obviously not going to be the case. You're last in the league for one reason or another. But points or games adjusted, it's realistic for Detroit to be anywhere from 29th to 30th in the league right now. Which, if you're a fan of the tank, is great news. And if you're a fan of Detroit winning as much as possible, I am very sorry for everything for this year and last year and next year, probably. But that's great news. And news rhymes with lose. Lose rhymes with Hughes. That is the <gasps> best segue into any... We actually didn't have Hughes on the topics for this week, and now we have to talk about him. That is a fantastic segue. Uh, so, D- Detroit... Um, but uh, the problem there is segue does not rhyme with Kako, so you did not give me another <laughs> avenue there. I think wacko is the only word that we can use, and that was our title for last week's episode. <laughs> you got some props for that. Yeah. They like that Every title. once in a while, I'll actually hit one. We've all... I think we've all hit a good episode title except for Evan. All I do is come up with good episode titles. <laughs> He's had a couple. I just can't remember which ones. Yeah, I can't remember which ones. I've never named an episode. So. Y- you can try to name this episode. It has to be better than Behind Enemy Lines. If though. you get Dead Silence, wasn't a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll think of something. Yeah. We'll get we'll get into it. Don't work too hard on it or it will never come. It's got to be natural, organic. Okay. Do we want to do... do... Like Street Organic, sponsor of the Wingwheel podcast. Um, yeah, definitely not. Yet. They owe us like $57 with how much they talked about. We talked about them last episode, too. Y- use promo code Adam Lascaris <laughs> for $0 off. You can spell it. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can buy it. I mean, I feel like your last name is basically spelled phonetically uh, mostly but i was saying to ryan how he nailed it on the first try and one of my best friends who i've known since i was in grade nine which was 10 years ago now um he still doesn't know how to pronounce it and i see him every week um and I kind of, i've kind of corrected him i lived with him for four years and then i was just like oh, just call me lascaris if you want to so lascaris um, adam lascaris yeah, of the yeah. leafsnation.com all right i want to know your most controversial take that you have about the wings that you're willing to say on air, knowing that this is a rabid fan base that will alienate you on Twitter oh, and yeah. physical violence is possible yeah. just from the three people in this room. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I have, I have one hot take about management and then I have one hot take about a player, mm-hmm. okay. which are somewhat related. I'm here for it. Um, I think the first one, which I, I don't know how hot it is, but if you're going to dump over coaching or management, we're probably here with you. Oh yeah. No, I just, I think, as like an outsider, I think like the interesting thing is like, so I'll just throw in my like biases in there. Um, like growing up, I grew up in Toronto. I grew up as a Leafs fan. Uh, I'm still a Leafs fan. I've tried Gross. to be like a little bit more objective. Uh, I mean, is what it is. But like nobody in Toronto, for the most part, when they were growing up, were like super, at least what I know, like nobody was like super anti-wings, mostly because they were in the Western Conference. Like I remember when... You know, they're in the, in the finals uh, two decades ago, was it? I don't know, at some point. I don't know. All the, one of the, hey, what, just, what year were you born? 2006. Uh, yeah, because we are talking. <laughs> we could be talking about one of four different cups no. here. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no. So, I think, uh, like, I remember I was cheering for them mostly because they didn't like Crosby, and I still don't really know why I didn't like Crosby because he was great and fantastic player and whatever. But anyway, um, like, nobody really hated Detroit, so I just want to, like, put that out there. I was never, like, a Detroit hater. I still like haven't really become one because uh, there's like 
we'll work on that for yeah, you. We'll work on it. But like, what's <laughs> what's there to hate right now? You know, like I don't know the team, coaching, but general, everything around them. They're you know uh, they're eight points a season guaranteed. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, have we not beat you this no, year? No, I was joking. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I I like the NHL is funny, but uh, so anyway, so I think my hot take about management is I was talking to Ryan about this the other day is like I think. Detroit's management hasn't been nearly as aggressive as they should be in the past like three seasons almost once the team started to trend downwards it seemed like things were going poorly and I think you could point almost to um, the first playoff series against Tampa Bay and I want to say that would have been 2014-15 yep and so I think at that point you're sort of looking at like an Asian core and you're looking at, um, you know, uh, a coach where things happen with him. I won't talk about it. And, um, and you sort of look at that and you wonder, like, what's next? And you look at sort of how things happened. And obviously, um, you know, you've got Datsuk and Zetterberg. And I feel like when you have, you know, players that are hitting their late, late ages you don't necessarily have to say like okay we've failed because we didn't get perfect asset management on them like i don't want to say that that's like a mistake and you know they made a datsuk trade which i mean they seem to have worked out from you know they got a good player out of it they got an extra an extra player out of it so i don't think that's like a failure in asset management or anything but it seems like the vision from detroit sort of obviously wasn't there for a while there was you know the whole issue with the streak and then they made the playoffs again and then got obliterated and then obviously haven't made the playoffs since. So I think one thing you saw right from the start with this management group is that they weren't really committed to turning it around. And I think if you look at um, sort of from then to the future, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that sort of have come together in a bunch of off seasons that have all kind of meshed together with various contracts that you've yelled about a million times. Um, But it just seems like, at some point, you know, you need to look and say, hey, when do we want to be competitive again? And hey, what's our long-term vision? And uh, if you look at where the Wings were in, say, 2015 and say, hey, can we, you know, be a consistent playoff team by 2019 again? You just wonder if looking back, they might have done things differently. And then you look at now, it seems like everyone's kind of content, like, okay, you know, 2018, 2019 is a wash. Um 2019 2020 you know we're still kind of waiting for some contracts to expire even if you know we're cracking the lineup at 2021 like are we being aggressive enough like you know because you're getting to a time where um you look at sort of like the young pieces on the roster you look at uh you know the dylan larkins the andreas thanasios the anthony manthas where they're not really all that young anymore and um you're sort of hitting prime years for a lot of these players and i think people have sort of started to realize that you know the prime is 24 to 27 and maybe not 27 to 31 or whatever people thought it was anymore and you just wonder if like the whole vision is going to work out in a good way or if it's going to be a lot of hope and I think you've seen a lot of teams where they just haven't been that aggressive and it's very easy to get caught in mediocrity and it's very easy to get caught in you know being the Minnesota Wilds of the NHL um so, so what I'll say here is what you're saying is uh, I don't think any of us here disagree with you in the fact that Detroit's not aggressive enough. I yeah. generally, among the Red Wings fan base, tend to be one of the bigger Ken Holland defenders. And even I admit his <laughs> his biggest flaw is he is not nearly yeah. aggressive enough. Um, 
So what I'm going to translate from what you're saying is here is this summer the Red Wings should sign not only Eric Carlson, but also Artemi Panarin. Or, or wild card, offer sheet, Marner. And Matthews. Third, would you? <laughs> All right. Crazy. We were talking about this on the drive over. It's not going to happen because this is way too crazy. And even the simplest of offer sheet just does not come to fruition in today's NHL. When was the last offer sheet? Like 1902 or something like that? Shea Weber. There was another one. Dustin Penner. Yeah. Which is like, whatever. All right. Like literally. Dustin Penner, bro. <laughs> they, they literally said that you can have him. Yeah. Um, but can you imagine a team offers Marner $12.5 million? They offer him Connor McDavid money. Over the course of seven years, and he signs and, it. Well, what's the composition on that? That's three, four first round picks. Four, I thought it was four three. First round, well, yeah, so I think one the funny thing about it is, like, we were talking about how, so let's say hypothetically that happens, and the Leafs say, yeah, we actually can't match that, which I think is interesting because, like, he probably should not make $12.5 million, but... It's not, not that far it's, off of It's it, like, like, let's say... The difference between that is like, okay, we're going to trade Connor Brown for a third round pick or we're going to trade away Zach Hyman or we're going to trade away something. And you like, I think the Leafs have somebody who in the system, whether it's, I don't know, like a Carl Grunstam or Jeremy Bracco, I don't know how closely your listeners follow like Leafs prospects, but you can get somebody to fill that role. And Deeply. And they uh, like, it's, it's almost like, like I was, there's this one tweet I saw recently. I can't remember who said it, but it was like it's only salary cap hell if your players are bad. And the Leafs have. I feel attacked. <laughs> that that hurts me on a spiritual level. I, I think it might have been Kemi, which is at Felix Podvin, not the real Felix Podvin. But I think um, I think you replied to the Leafs Nation account and said that. So um, yeah, it's just it is like the offer sheet system set up in a way where even if you were to get like the classic thing is. Matthews will get offer sheeted by Arizona and it's like okay um, if you're giving up high end first round picks which is probably what Arizona will be giving up in the next four years even if they get better they'll still give them a few picks and I don't think that would I don't know I just couldn't see a scenario where the Leafs are like yeah you can have this guy we won't match Um, and the other thing is like that people always forget is the player has to sign the offer sheet and just like admit like like, I still don't see a world. Like, if you look at the way that Tavares has been in Toronto, he's, like, been endorsed. Or, like, he has endorsements with, like, everything. Like, he's on TV, and you see a commercial for him with Rogers, And you see a commercial for him with, like, Canadian Tire. You see a commercial him, with him for, like, Andy, like, beds. I think it's Andy. If Casper? I, Casper mattresses. And if I see that commercial oh, okay. one more Casper. time, I'm throwing my remote through the so, TV. right. Like, he's, like, even though the endorsement money isn't, like, quite there, like... I remember the funniest thing I saw was there was a Brad Boys autograph signing in Toronto, and there was a lot of people there. And Brad Boys played one year for the Leafs when they were terrible. And he wasn't bad. Didn't he score twenty goals? Uh, he was up there. There was they were the Leafs were quite bad that year. The funniest thing about Brad Boys is he was an originally a Leafs draft pick, and uh, then they traded him in a deal that I forget. It's a good old saga boy. The best thing about Brad Boys is that his name sounds like the opening theme song to Cops, if we're being uh, honest here. Actually, the best thing about Brad Boys is not that, but it's close. <laughs> um, we did a post on the Least Nation a few years ago, and Brad Boys is at a, a game with, like, he was played for the Leafs, and I think it was one of his first games, and he had, like, all of his friends there. 
and they were all wearing different Brad Boys jerseys. And um, there was this one, which was just like the poo emoji was the, the main like logo. <laughs> and we were kind of curious about it. And we found out that he was playing for some, I think it was Streetsville, like beer league team in the summer. And he like we one of our writers was uh, formerly Yakov Miranov. Now it's at John Wright's tweets. Um, he did some research and he found this like adult league in the summer where Brad Boys was playing for them. He put up like a ridiculous amount of points because he played in the NHL. And it was just like this team and their logo was just like the poo. So they had some funny name. Can't remember the name, but um, he, he only scored eight goals, not 20. I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, OK, so um, but Brad Boys is OK. And probably I, got 20 on the beer. That league. was that was 2015, 16. Am I correct? Yeah. So yeah. just a nice segue if you want to talk about the Leafs and rebuilds and whatnot. That team is interesting because they had so many players on that team who never played for the Leafs again. Some of them never played in the NHL again, but they were very aggressive with that team about trading players and they signed players to one-year deals and they um, they ended up with a lot of pieces on the current team from it. Like they ended up trading um, for multiple second-round picks. They traded away Roman Polak for two second-round picks, ended up re-signing him, lost him again, but they... Got two second round picks out of that. Addition uh, by subtraction. Uh, so they made they made quite a few moves, which were eventually flipped at the deadline. And I think if you want to compare it to the current Red Wings team, um, there are very few deals where you get players who are coming in, one, on a deal. You say, okay, we're going to flip them. And you also didn't give them a no-trade clause. Because there's been a few deals that have just been handed out to guys who you think, okay, maybe they will be flipped. No. But also have been given no trade clauses. And I'm sure you've beaten them to death before on this show. Oh, no. We no. love the Thomas Vanek contract. Um, so, yeah. It's just – I think the one thing that I've sort of learned from the Leafs is, like, once you kind of commit to the fact that you're not going to be competitive, like, every move you make has to be for the future – um, and you know, it may result in some tough calls. Like, um, I know, like, I think the biggest move the Leafs have ever made for the future was the Phil Kessel trade, uh, which s- the biggest issue with that trade was that they retained salary to let somebody else win the Stanley cup, <laughs> which is really silly because they won it twice and the Leafs are still paying $1.2 million to Phil Kessel. But they ended up essentially with Kasperi Kapanen, who's on pace for 30 goals this year, and they got a first-round pick, which they flipped in another deal for Frederick Anderson, who's been in the Vezina conversation this year. So that was a hurtful deal, but it was one that worked out. And there was a bunch of other minor deals, like I said, um, that it just seems like they were players who they signed, um, came in for one year, and they moved on from them. Um, and I think that's like one thing which I don't know. Like I look at some of the Red Wings moves over the past couple of years. Like I said to Ryan the other day, the, the Trevor Daly deal. Mm. What's like, what was the end goal there? And there's been rumors recently that he might be moved, but I think it won't happen. Yeah. And I just, it's I just not going to happen. What's like, what was the. Like, what's the max gain in that deal? And what, at the time, you know, is, like, you're giving... This is a roster spot you're signing. And it's 
you know, you can't put a young guy in this spot and you can't put somebody, you can't promote somebody internally from this spot. And we all know how veterans work in the NHL where almost every coach in the league, if there's a veteran player there, we'll put that guy in there. And so you look at deals like that, you look at deals like, you know, I mean, we've talked about Franz Nielsen, um, like what's obviously maybe the Wings thought they would be better than they are. And, you know, I think you describe them typically as a third line center being paid like a second line center. Yes. Um, and so like, you just look at deals like that and you wonder like when you're signing this, like what's your vision of the wings and, when does the deal expire? 2022? 2023? 2029? Like, um, Way too long. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So I just I just wonder like with the wings, just with every deal, it seems like you don't really know what their time when they want to kind of peak is. And um, you just wonder like even with uh, like the Dylan Larkin contract, I think that was a fine deal. I'm not going to hate on that. But I just wonder like what – like this is your guy. Everybody in the fan base wants him to be the captain. Um, do you just wonder, like, okay, this is the guy you're building around? You know, hopefully you're going to have like Philip Zadina in the mix. Um, you know, you're going to have other guys come up. Uh, you know, like depending on who that is. You know, whether it's going to be Joe Valeno, like Jared McIsaac. Um, you know, you're going to have uh, Cholesky like fit into a bigger role. Like once all those things start happening, like you just wonder, like, what is the year that you want this all to happen and like when do you think that the wings will be a contender and you almost can't really see that vision just because there will still be like a lot of pieces in place that are like if they're not already detrimental they're trending towards that so do you know who else doesn't know when the red wings peaks gonna be most people the red wings yeah so (laughs) they have no idea now with the way everything's structured right now, the way I've kind of looked at it is I, I think we all know next year is going to be a write-off. But the year after that is where it opens up for potential because they're still going to have a few bad deals left on the contract. But here's the thing. It's only a few. It's not the five, six, seven awful contracts they're burdened with now. Daly's gone. Erickson's gone. Cronwell's gone. Jensen's gone. Um, a couple other guys are gone. So there, there will be an infinite amount of cap space couple roster spots filled by youngsters and then like i said hopefully eric carlson and artemi panarin anyways but um no i think a lot of where the trevor daly contracts and those kind of contracts come from with detroit is detroit still has this archaic mentality of they are absolutely petrified to put prospects in the lineup before they are 120 percent ready they are afraid that if these guys come in for one year and struggle it will ruin their entire development path. And again, there's that that might be true of some guys, but if that's the case, they were never going to be game breakers anyway. So Yeah, I think uh, I feel like I might be twisting a knife into a wound, but I remember there was a Mike Babcock quote, which uh, came from the 2016-17 season, and basically people asked him why Mitch Marner wasn't in the NHL the year before where he... Uh, won everything in the OHL. He won the Memorial Cup. Um, you know, he was an absolute, like, he was an absolute star. He was a star in his draft year and then was somehow, it seemed like he was even better and he wasn't even trying at the OHL level. And it, then they obviously came in with the three rookies. Uh, it was him, Nylander, and Matthews. And, uh, you know, they had a couple other guys like Hyman and Brown and uh, Zaitsev counted as a rookie, even though he was older um, because he came over from, KHL and basically Babcock's quote was um, 
you know, you keep these guys when they're, you keep these guys in the system and, you know, you're playing them wherever and then you bring them up and you want them to be good right away. But like he followed up with like, they can be young and good right away. And, you know, you can be a game breaker in the NHL when you're young <laughs> and, where was that? Where was that when he was with Detroit? No, there well, were there were a couple not kind of public spats between him. No, not that. Yeah, the, there were. There was there was the Nyquist situation where apparently Babcock wanted Gus up well before he came because the season where Gus scored his first twenty eight goals, he didn't come up till the end of November. Mm-hmm. And there was another time a few years ago um, where I guess Babcock was pushing for Willette to come up, and Kenny's like, "Nope, not happening." And so th- those two got aired out publicly a bit. So I don't put that on Babcock so much as I no, do. No, I don't. I was just Holland back in the day. The memes. No, the the uh, old school mentality of handling prospects has very much been established com- that coming from uh, Holland and, and upward. Like everyone in, in Red Wings upper management believes that that's the way to do it, and they think that the way they're handling it now is like revolutionary and with the times. And really, all they're doing is making uh, it a bit better oh yes rasmussen and larkin made it one year removed from their draft i literally cannot remember the last time a red wing made it straight out of their draft year larkin wailed his they were still thinking of not keeping larkin up, larkin up past nine games yeah he had to will his way onto the team yeah that was i remember his first nhl goal streaking down the wing and burning jonathan Bernier. and how the turntables look how the cookie crumbles adam jokes on you we now have both of those guys. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Bernier. Um, yeah, franchise, possible franchise goalie yeah. for the next two years, I Jonathan think, Bernier. Uh, it's interesting, too, like with um, the way that things have like worked out with, with Bernier, um, because when he was in Toronto, obviously they had James Reimer as well. And I remember the fights every single game about who should start. And... Um, Toronto didn't deserve Reimer. Uh, no, he was he was. It was weird because you had so many people in the fan base who loved him, and then you had a lot of people who sort of didn't realize that the defense was as bad as they were. So he would be putting up like a nine twenty save percentage. God, this sounds familiar. And uh, <laughs> and we're sorry, Jimmy. Yeah. So I think it's just like an interesting <laughs> thing that like like having goalie battles is terrible and. Tholius goalie situation is stabilized a little bit, although Hutchison started, it seems like, the past like, year already with some, like, we don't, I don't know, I think it's somewhat come out what Anderson's injury is, but not quite. And, um, yeah, so, like, having goalie debates is, like, awful. And th- I think <laughs> multiple people have written about this, but, like, uh, when Bernier said that... Uh, Orange just like making love to my phone case right now. Adam's like, phone case is a shell of itself. Yeah, and that it's wasn't a, a pun. It's, it's a nice battery case. Uh, it's just <laughs> what's left the, of it. The problem is like if you you have to like tear it open to open it a little bit, and it just gets ripped over the times. And I've dropped it because it's very protective. But uh, good product. <laughs> I think I got it in twenty fifteen. Use maybe? promo code Winged Wheel Podcast to add thirty dollars to your order. <laughs> um. So yeah, no Bernier like uh like he played in Toronto recently and got like mercilessly chirped. Whereas Reimer came in and got a standing ovation. So I think he thinks he was already like, he had some good stretches and then some abysmal stretches in Toronto. And like, it's easy to get eaten up by everybody. And then he had that one comment about Nelson Mandela, um, where he said he was yeah, uh, not great. a hero on and off the ice. Um, didn't know who Nelson Mandela was. 
which is um no i'm kidding oh, <laughs> so, i was right <laughs> nelson mandela you know um yeah, he was the former vice president right he was the the half nelson and the wrestling movie of was oh he was a wrestler yeah. right yeah that's what the no, movie was, he was about vp of hockey operations for the columbus blue jackets which segues perfectly into our <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was just it was i don't know like bernier is always showing that he's an nhl caliber goalie um not this year but uh yeah i don't know um I don't have a m- much of a finishing point there. Okay, let's get to your hot franchise take. goalies. Oh, hot take about we need the hot take about the Redings player. I wanna, oh, okay. So, I want to. I don't know what it is, but I want to rip Adam for it, it no matter what. Dish it to us. Don't give us context. Just dish All it right. to us yeah, straight and simple. Cause, because the last one was expecting this hot take about management, and I'm like, no, I agree with just what everything all, you said. That there, was all. So. We okay, agree with everything. So I, um, the thing that I'm worried about with how the Red Wings are going to manage it is about Larkin, because. Oh one, I don't know if he's still there, but he's definitely top five in ice time for forwards this season. And he's playing like a million minutes a night. And I'm worried that his, um, like his, obviously had a fantastic point streak. And, you know, he's been playing everywhere. But I'm worried that um, the fact that he's playing so much is giving him opportunities to put up points and I'm worried that the Red Wings management will sort of fall in love with him too much and sort of um, not be aggressive enough to like to be complacent with him as the guy and not be aggressive enough to support the rest of like the organization because I've been talking to Brian about this for a while where um, like Larkin was you know drafted 15th overall wherever you think he fits in a redraft or whatnot, but if you Top look at five. if you look at the um, the good teams in the NHL, you know they have like Tampa is the the model right now, even though they still haven't technically won anything. Like they have an insanely deep forward group. You know they have like a first overall pick in Stamkos. They have Kucherov, who probably could have gone first overall in a redraft, despite the fact that he was not drafted in the first round. They have Braden Point, who's also very good. Um, you know, they just have like Tyler Johnson, all the names like Yanni Gord, whatever, whatever you want to throw in there. Uh, if you look at Toronto, obviously um, they have Patrick Marlowe. Um, you know, they have. Yes, that's that's the guy that's you know, making it overall, happen second, for Toronto. Second overall pick in uh, 1997. Were you even born then? I was. But was a year old. I was two. But <laughs> was I, know, I guess at the draft, I think when Marlowe was drafted, I was one and one and. Mm. 10 months. Dylan Larkin is 105th in the NHL in points per 60. Yeah, so I was talking, that's even strength? Or all situations? All situations. Now you look at even strength? Uh, Yeah, so here's here's my counterpoint to this. He's playing a ton, which is obviously going to produce this thing, but to balance that out, you have to realize two of his primary wingers for this entire season have been Darren Helm and Justin Abdelkader, so he's doing this almost shorthanded. Yeah, um, (laughs) well, uh, First off, totally true. Darren Helm is my favorite Red Wing of all time. Oh, he's most—he's inclu- made an Australian friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, no, it's—it's it's actually it's a really dumb reason, but um, I haven't been able to find the goals online. But in the World Juniors back in the day, he scored two goals, which he basically crashed straight into the goalie, but he put the puck in the net, and I think yeah, that's Darren. That's exactly Darren Helm. He was uh, he was going quite hard at the net and made contact with the goaltender. And so I would have been about 11, 12 at the time when he did those things. Oh, God, and, those are my 20s. Um, 
Yeah, you're you're basically a grandfather now, Brad. Um, Pretty much. So, I that kind of like influenced my play style, and I I got in a few arguments playing house league hockey in Toronto with the refs, and I said. <laughs> Well, you can't say it's not a goal and also not give me a penalty, which I still don't really know is like a valid rule. But I'd be like, I crashed into the goalie, but the puck's in the net. Like, what do you mean it's not a goal? Like, give me a penalty. And so um, <laughs> that, that was like my play style. And the other thing was I played goalie a little bit, wasn't very good at it, but it was also house league. So and I would be very aggressive into crashing into the other team's players when they would come in on breakaways, two on ones, any sort of situations. I attacked a couple guys like pretty much right at the blue line because I could tell they weren't great skaters, and if I got the puck out of the way, they're not going to score anything. You hashicked them. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't flip anybody, but I came close. <laughs> and I never tried to hurt anybody, but it, there's... But you I, came close. But there's nothing in the rules that says you can't cover the puck just because you're at the blue line. You're still allowed to do it. It just looks bad. Um, <laughs> it's just frowned upon. Yeah, so... Uh, it takes like a lot, Bin Laden. It's like farting in an elevator. So, it's not technically illegal. So, um, yeah, so basically back to the Larkin point, which is what we were talking about. Uh, I just, I'm just worried that, um, I, yeah, like, I, I just think that there is like a very like NHL management mindset to just like be satisfied with like, okay, this is our best player. So your take is if Detroit is to be truly competitive, Larkin cannot be the best forward on this team. Yeah. That's basically like sort of what I was thinking. And I think, they're going to need to make a major hit in the draft. Hope that Zadina develops as well as he should from a probably should have been taken third overall. Um, I mean, it's hard to really say that there's like been any, you know, he hasn't like taken the AHL by storm, but it's like, whatever. I'm not going to say that he's any different than he really was in June um, when, you know, he was projected all year to be like a top three pick top two, potentially. Um, but yeah, I think they just like the Red Wings need to make sure that they're still trying to bolster their offense. And there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, we want Larkin to be our second line center in the future um, and have like if they land, you know, a great forward. Check use. Uh, yeah, like whatever they do, <laughs> it's just it's just you can't like the NHL is so hard to win in. And if you just look at the teams that have won the cup um like they always have like you're like wow they have this guy and this guy they have this guy and this guy i know that sounds like pretty basic but like even if you look at like washington for example last year like people underrate nick backstrom but like he was fantastic and then they also have ovechkin and then people are like oh they also have kuznetsov um like three like fantastic players who are all capable of putting up a point per game and i think if you're looking at like Larkin, who's a guy whose age now is 23? You're close, if not. 22. 22. Turning 23 this year, correct? He's in 96? He was the 2014 draft. He's in 96. So. Yeah, he turns 23 in so, end of July. I think if you just look at it. One day off from Harry Potter's birthday, I'll have you know. July, more importantly. So the 30th. Wait, wait. You said yeah, he's, he's on the 30th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh? Harry Potter was born July 31st. Oh, well, we all know the most important day in July is the 17th. So, 
that your birthday? That's my birthday. Oh, okay. Mm. I was gonna. No, I was gonna say. Don't they stop giving you birthdays after fifty? I haven't received Mika anything was, other than a gift card in like six years. I thought it was gonna be Mika, but she was born in May. March. Yes, May. Oh my God! How did he get that? And you not? <laughs> I remember. Well, the reason oh, why I remember, that's bad. <laughs> I was in. Uh, I was in Europe when that happened, and I was like, I should probably say something to Brad because, like, I, thought I was talking to you a bit, a little bit then, but I was also just like in Europe, and like you lose track of everything. And I just see this like post somewhere, and I was like, "I'm a father now." And I was like, "Wow, that's super cool." And I was like, "Oh wait, I should say something about that." Um, oh yeah, because I was—I actually hung out with you at the draft less than a month after. Yeah, and yeah. you're like, "Oh yeah, being a father is cool," but like, uh. so, um, so yeah, I think if I were a Wings fan, I would be worried that uh, Larkin, who seems like he's on route to get the captaincy, I don't know why he wouldn't, but you know, I mean, I know why he wouldn't because. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if he doesn't, uh, like if he as if things go as planned, and they're like, "Hey, this is our guy. He's been in the system. He's Michigan. Um, this Michigan per sixty is off the charts." Yeah, so I, I'm just it's third best on the team. I'm just worried that they <laughs> choose. They they're just happy with having a very good forward as their best forward and they aren't aggressive enough in bringing in a supporting cast where you can turn that team into a contender. It's funny. I'm glad you mentioned that too because one of the drums I've been beating for a while with this team is everybody seems to think Detroit needs to focus on a defenseman in the draft wherever they're picking even though if we're we're talking prospects and systems, Detroit's actually very deep in defensive prospects but there's Zadina, Sveshnikov, Bergeron, and nothing. Nothing. Nobody of significance in the system right now. So yeah, we the heir to Dylan Larkin is not in the system now. It has to come via draft or free agency. There is no other option. Look at it this way: Valeno, maybe, but that's like really reaching. If you give Detroit a top center, a top six, or like a top two center, a top pairing defenseman, and a good goalie, they're still not even close to being a contender. That's how far off Detroit they, is from they being have a top. Two goalies, Ryan. <laughs> they, have, they have one at least. They actually do. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll eliminate. The, that's not fair to Jimmy Howard, who's been standing on his head. Um, that's all-star Jimmy Howard. Too. That's all-star Jimmy Howard. Um, Detroit is a lot of pieces away. And there's so many pieces away where as abhorrent, insulting, downright disgusting, the defense has been and not in a good way. You have to, like, if you're there, you take the best player available. Well, did you see that stat that I posted? Um, I took a screenshot. Uh, def- rookie defensemen who've played at least 15 games this year, points per game. Chalosky and Heronik are both in the top four. I am not concerned about the future of the defense right now. They may not have that star, and they'll want to grab that at some point, but that's going to be Eric Carlson on July 1st, so we don't need to worry about that. It's- if you're going to have uh, our top defenseman is realistically like a good second-pairing defenseman, you have to have like a Pittsburgh-Toronto-style offense in my mind. I mean, Pittsburgh did win the Stanley Cup with number one defenseman Brian Dumoulin. Yeah, so. and top- Brian Hazy, um- Yeah, but then they had <laughs> Crosby and Malkin, right? So like, it's you exactly. have to counter that. I think I think the funny thing about like bringing that point up is like there's about four different stories that go through the Toronto media cycle, and one of them has always been for I don't know the past uh, three seasons or two and a half or whatever you want to call it now is uh, getting that defenseman, and then people were like, oh well, wow, you have Morgan Riley who's like putting up a million points. Who actually the interesting thing about him is like he's still not great defensively. If you look at his numbers, he like bleeds shots. He does play with Ron Hainsey, and he's never had a good partner in his career. But I think the thing that people forget about hockey is that it's like 
the 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 most telling stat for me about how good a team is is like goal difference. That's like at least one of them. It's like how like the, that's your results and like Toronto, I believe, still second in the league in goal difference, and it's just seen as this like massive issue where like as a whole, once you add the team together, <laughs> like their offense is obviously very good, and they have a very good left side of the defense, and they have three issues on the right side of the defense but it's like i'm so happy you guys signed zeitz up to that contract yeah. so you can't get too holier than thou no, over everybody else no i know but it's like an interesting thing where it's like it's almost like it's like you're looking at like nhl 19 and you're like oh man their defensive ratings only uh 83 the simulation is not gonna work um where it's like well you look at you know your 82 game sample and they're doing quite well and suddenly like once you get into a seven game series everything's falling apart i don't know it just it seems like a they definitely need they they should acquire a defenseman and i think they probably will make a move at some point nicholas cronwall um why is that why is that i don't know detroit's not gonna trade him and teams aren't gonna be interested it's so dumb it's like it's it's every year it depends what sometimes it's francois beauchemin some i don't know if he's still in the league is he probably not it's gonna be nick jensen this year well nick jensen is different though because he's not terrible and he's not that old no he's 28 and he's all right he has no puck sense at yeah. all, but um, he seems to put up like okay fancy numbers from what I've seen. Because he can skate like the wind, which yeah, helps a so lot. He, uh, but it just seems like there'll be like it'll be a guy like that or Trevor Daly got mentioned, um, and like I just there's always uh, names thrown into the mix, it, and it's weird because there's like very few guys. It'll be like there's very few defensemen who are kind of unheralded and age well. It's usually like a Brian Campbell who was like good for years and um but you're going to say Brian Rafalski there and we were going to have a moment no, at him. Um, Damn it. Brian Campbell. No, it's just like there's but most defensemen are turn tend to be bad because their job is to keep people away from the net and they get slower and they get worse and all that jazz. So so you're saying the playing defense if you're evaluating a defenseman overall his defensive game should pertain to where you would rank him. So, and they probably shouldn't be too old. Like that, you'd want them to be younger than guys like Cronwall or Daly or Erickson or Good. If God. you're over 31, you shouldn't be in the NHL. <laughs> well, it's it's you weird. are now an NFL running back. That is it, your it, lifespan. It's, it's funny, like it's it's a joke, but it's almost not because there's so many guys who just hit that aging curve hard and. So, um, so we get three good years of Eric Carlson. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, is that an Eric Carlson segue? No, we got we haven't even got get it. We haven't even later. We have to talk about right now. What I want to talk about is actually uh, Bobrovsky and Panarin. Yeah, because we haven't talked about that dumpster fire. So, the context for those of you who might not know is uh, Columbus has two literal superstars in Bobrovsky and Panarin, like top tier players at their positions. Um, going to the season where they didn't know what was going to happen. Last year's of their contracts, they're going to be UFAs after. Um, speculation, at least light speculation for either of them, heavy speculation from Panarin that they were going to leave. Uh, Panarin has been on record saying he doesn't like Columbus. That has been said the more times than anything else in human history. But um, free vodka. So someone put up an ad, uh, a vodka company put up an ad. I'm not going to put up 
say their name because they don't sponsor us. Um, Mill Street Organic <laughs> Vodka. <laughs> um, they they put up an ad saying, "Hey Panarin, if you stay, we'll give you free vodka." And there's also a dentist that did it too. And Panarin actually took a picture with the vodka billboard, which I thought was funny because he's gone on record saying he doesn't like Columbus and, and might not. It's nothing against the team; he just doesn't like living there. Bobrovsky, on the other hand, is on the hot seat. Actually, like legitimately on the hot seat, might be traded because of a tiff with uh, John Tortorella. Melt off to John Tortorella after being pulled. Well, I heard it wasn't with Tortorella. Like, someone confirmed that it wasn't a spat between the coach. Although, conveniently, this incident happened after a game where he got pulled and they lost 4 nothing. I don't know, but this whole season has been rocky with Bobrovsky, though. Because remember that infamous quote he had before the season where he said, where people were asking him about what his plans were this season with his pending free agency, and he's like, I've talked with Blue Jackets management and they know where I stand. Are you going to sign an extension? I've talked with them and they know where I stand, which is a little ominous to begin with. And now the fact that, again, as much as Panarin's been, I'm not signing long term here. I don't know what I want to do. He's been nothing but cordial, friendly, is given everything he's got to the team. Everything's been great, but it's just he doesn't know if he wants to sign long term in Columbus. Bobrovsky's been hostile. And now it sounds like it's blown up in some kind of incident that pissed off someone in management and they're literally like yeah we're going into a road trip against two of the best teams in the nhl and we don't want you playing uh this actually has huge pertinence to detroit's trade deadline situation in that it makes jimmy howard not being traded a little bit more likely in my mind because if Bobrovsky gets moved, that takes someone off the market who's willing to give up big assets. Three-way trade. Yeah. Jimmy Howard to Columbus, Columbus which actually makes a ton of sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, although you know it also makes sense. Seven-year contract for Jimmy Howard. Um, Adam. Don't Adam. If it happens. It's not funny. We get PTSD about these kind of um, things. Yeah. Um, one point about Columbus. Uh, if you've never gone there for a road trip, I would recommend it. Uh, Stop advocating for Ohio. It is the, it is the worst place in the world. Hold on, we gotta we gotta preface this. We we might not know his Canadian ignorance here, Adam. You're also you, Canadian. I know, but listen, <laughs> listen. Do you follow NCAA sports at all? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay, good. You understand that we're Michigan fans, yes? Okay. Stop. <laughs> Ohio's only good for one thing, which is making astronauts. And there are people who are trying to get literally as far from Ohio there's, as you can be. Rock and roll. Listen. There's oh. <laughs> Evans. Chill. There's a uh, Chief Wahoo. No, <laughs> no, no, we're not. We. I would sooner talk about the government shutdown than have the Chief Wahoo debate. We are not. All right, let's go there. So, how's that affecting the national parks? <laughs> um, but no, I think I, I think uh, I've enjoyed the three major cities in Ohio. Uh, there's three. No, there are not. Are you counting there's, Sandusky? No, I was saying there's Cleveland, Cincinnati. And Columbus. Okay. Those are three. Op- open for interpretation. Does Cleveland still count after LeBron left the second <laughs> time? Uh, well, they have an NFL team. Is that? Yeah, that the uh, their inaugural season, right? With Baker Mayfield as the first ever yeah. quarterback. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And the Cleveland baseball team. The Cleveland baseball team. Yes. And the uh, what other sports do they have? They have the Lake Erie Monsters. Cool logo. I dig their logo. And I also am a fan of that they don't want to put Cleveland in the actual team name. I... Uh, had this one weird experience where I th- believe I was in Rochester in a subway. 
the restaurant because they don't have underground trains. I was going to say, in, really? Do they have underground they don't have, trains? They don't have underground trains in Rochester that I'm aware of. And uh, <laughs> the Rochester Americans are playing a game against the... Maybe they, are they the Cleveland Monsters now? They like, might be. I actually haven't paid. Oh, I hope not. I think they either they changed their name from or to. Oh, they started as the Lake Erie Monsters. So if they did change, they it, are they the be- Cleveland Cleveland Monsters. Oh, okay, that's whack. So I uh, I was there and it was like me and my dad and we were going to the uh, Rochester Americans Lake Erie game later that day and we saw two of the players walking the subway and we're like, do we need to talk to you? Like you're here, we know who you are because you're like we know you're with the team. You're definitely too young to be coaching, so you're definitely on the team because why else would you be wearing like a full body tracksuit? But it, there's not much to that story. But we just saw them in a subway and we're like, <laughs> "Good luck today." Like, what do you say? I that, don't know. That was like us in Buffalo, where everywhere we went, we saw a Flyers prospect. One of them was probably Carter Hart because you got drafted that day. Yeah, and uh, yeah, everywhere. Like literally, we were walking all over the arena and no matter which little nook and cranny we went in the arena, we bumped into a Flyers prospect. We go into the main lobby, Flyers prospect. We leave the building and the train, Flyers prospect. Yeah. Um, You're on it to some people. Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky. Back Former to the- Flyers goaltender. Former Flyers <laughs> goaltender. Um, very quickly. Maybe Who again? isn't a Flyers goaltender though? <laughs> very quickly. You're very right. Very quickly because I want to move on to some other points. I want you to tell me if he gets moved, where he gets moved to, how it affects Howard. So the backwards thing about this all is this is actually, in my mind, increased the likelihood of ta- Howard getting traded as backward as it sounds. Because when you look around the league, going back to a point I made a week or two ago, I don't know what contender is looking for a rental goalie right now. I can't think of one off the top of my head that would that would pay any sort of a reasonable price. Now, all of a sudden, the number one contender to trade for Jimmy Howard might be the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, I think if I looked at I looked at it somewhat recently, and I think both teams in Alberta should move for a goaltender um, because I think goaltenders are somewhat cheap usually and. Like Edmonton's obviously not very good, but they could still make the playoffs. Yeah, the, the and, bottom half of the West is bad. And they might like I think they're maybe two points out. They're playing tonight. Well, um, this is this is how the playoff race is going in the Western Conference right now, just for perspective to what Adam's saying. The Anaheim Ducks have lost eight games in a row or so and are nine? still it might be nine, and they're still holding a playoff spot. So take that for what you will. Uh, the Leafs won tonight, by the way. Four two. Four two. Yeah, the uh, the the West is funny. Calgary is in first place in the entire Western Conference. Winnipeg could pass them with their games in hand, but right now Calgary is in first in the entire Western Conference. In the entire league, Tampa Bay's first, Calgary second, Vegas is third place. Vegas. This is this is the ultimate statement of how good and crazy their inaugural season was. Because we have an expansion team in their second year of existence who is third place in the entire NHL and the hottest team over the last month, save for maybe Tampa Bay, and nobody cares. Evan, do you care? No. <laughs> See? Hey, I didn't know Evan was here. It's Same. very it's very easy to lose him sometimes. Yeah. You are giving him quite a, he's probably had the most productive personal day, so because up until now he's been doing work. He's probably gotten so much personal stuff accomplished oh, just because you're uh, here. He gained about seven Instagram followers. Um, this is the only downside of the cat is because now I can't. We can't make fun of him for just swiping on Tinder the whole time through the episode. No. I know. How many Instagram followers do you have, Evan? Uh, More than I've us. Posted since 
June 17th, 2018. 428 followers. Yeah. Mm. Way too many. Uh, so, yeah, Vegas. Okay, here's my point. This was unexpected for the first 41 games of last season. This has to be expected now considering the season that they had last year, right? No, it wasn't even expected because everybody was expecting – like ev- Vegas had everything go right for them last year. So everybody said, even though the fancy numbers, as Adam would know, kind of backed up the fact that Vegas was actually good. So everybody hey, – expect- Actually good. I know that hashtag. <laughs> Never heard of it. Never. And so this season they were, for whatever reason, expected to take a step back – and then they actually got off to a very, very slow start over the first 15, 20 games. And everybody's like, see, we told you it was a fluke. And, and then it wasn't. And then they've just kept winning since then. And nobody has been talking about it. Nope. It's truly impressive. Uh, the, they, Where did we have them? Oh, I, I had, had them winning the division. I think I had them in a wild card. Because I was expecting minor was- regression. Yeah. <laughs> Brad, do you want to know where you had them? I had Los Angeles way higher than I should have. <laughs> you had San Jose first, which isn't that bad. You had and then LA and then Anaheim and then Vegas. Anaheim's in a playoff spot and Vegas is in a playoff spot. I'm three for four here, buddy. <laughs> You're trying to make fun of me. I'm three for four. Even though Anaheim is absolutely not going to hold on to that because holy crap, they are bad. You had Calgary second last. I had Calgary third Although last. I wonder, there's been rumors about Carlisle being fired. How, how is it not happening? Yeah, it, I think the, the funny thing was like... They should have fired him a day after they hired him. Yeah, but he, he won one playoff round with them, 2017. Yeah, he had a good team. He had a good team. Uh, that's also how he Two won. playoff rounds. That was the one where um they cheated their way past oh, Edmonton. Oh, yeah, no, they, they beat, yeah, they beat Edmonton, right, right. So I was going to say they lost Edmonton, but then I realized that Edmonton also lost in that round. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they both lost. Yeah, yeah that didn't it. happen. So, yeah, they, uh, I don't know. Like he's, um, So they probably should have fired him by some point, but... They, they, I think he will be, especially having lost their last like nine games. Um, Actually, while we're on Anaheim, I've got a question for Adam here because you're a little more in tune with the fancy stats community sometimes. than me. Um, is there is there really a case for anybody other than John Gibson to win the Vesna this year? Uh, Frederick Anderson is probably ahead of him right now. There's no uh, way. No, there I, is I, no I, way. I Gib- Gibson I, is by yeah. Far. I mean, I believe uh sean tierney his charts charting hockey yeah i follow yes. a lot of his stuff uh, most people do that are on twitter and like hockey um i believe like you look at the charts and it seems like gibson's just like it's like goal saved uh against average i think the gsaa yeah. which seems to be like a pretty widely accepted like good fancy goalie stat and like he's tends to be pretty high up there and like you can also Factor in the fact that their team's terrible and he's like keeping them afloat, even if they've lost quite a bit recently. Um, if you don't already agree with it, goaltender wins and losses like it's, don't really mean anything. It's like baseball pitchers wins and losses. Yeah, pretty similar mindset. So uh, he's been uh, he's been good this year. I mean, I can't say I watched too much of Anaheim, partially because they're up late, partially because they're like not very good. Um, but yeah, Gibson's numbers are up there. Uh, I know there was a panel today with the nhl.com writers which doesn't really mean a whole lot there was like i think they i don't know if i think it was 20 writers from nhl.com for various teams and anderson actually had the nudge but (coughs) which is maybe gives you an insight into how voters are viewing and they tend to like goalies on good teams for whatever reason they do which, which i don't realize how like nhl award voters haven't realized that you like there's like 
other good players on teams with good goalies and wins aren't a good way to figure things out. But uh, so, yeah, like if I was voting, I'd put uh, Gibson up there and like I'd have to dig into it a bit more. But yeah, he's had a seems like a stellar season, um, especially when I'm reading Sean Tierney's stuff. It doesn't just seem that Gibson's in first place on most of his stats. It's most of the ones that he puts up. It seems like there's a bigger gap between Gibson and second place and there's between second place and like ninth place. He's in first in, in GSA. Frederick Anderson in second, not too far behind, honestly. Um, so you can see a case for both of them. I, the reason I think Anderson legitimately is ahead in terms of practical Vesna voting is because of that bias towards goalies who are on better teams. Um, the story in Anaheim is going to be in, uh, Carlisle. It's going to be that this huge losing streak. Gibson, ah, when was the last time a losing Anaheim goalie won any kind of significant award? Am I right? Just kidding. It was uh, J.S. Jaguar who won the... Um, you say that, and then you got to remember that was almost 16 years ago. That was literally 16 years ago. My God. I uh, I think the the funniest thing for me about Anaheim is how it seemed like everybody loved to talk up how great a defense they had, and I still think they have a lot of great defensemen, but like they just give up a bunch of shots, which is partially due to coaching, but I just I don't get it. Yeah, I just I don't get it. I don't the, have any further point. Anna, Anaheim is a good case for right now of how a bad coach can really affect the team because we all knew not to dump on Carlisle and say this is his fault because he had when he was in Toronto he had some really bad teams, but Toronto's shot metrics while he was here were like horrifyingly bad. Then he goes to a team that has had tremendous shot metrics forever and a good defense, and I understand they've traded away a couple of the pieces. They they've been one of the worst. Teams. So, again, by um, Sean Tierney's metrics, they were one of the four worst teams this year in the NHL in terms of shot metrics. And they're in a playoff spot. And yet Carlisle still has a job. And yet John Gibson is not universally recognized as the top goalie in the league right now. It's just everything's falling into place that that place is just going to turn turn into Alice in Wonderland where nothing makes sense and everything's a joke. Back to Carlisle and firing. The funny thing was when he was let go by the Leafs, he was actually fired when they were in a playoff spot. They brought in Peter Horacek as the interim head coach. Oh my which, God, I forgot about him. Uh, most people do. And <laughs> the team got worse. They were, I think their shot metrics slightly improved. They stopped scoring goals. Uh, their goaltending got worse. And uh, most people just, yeah, they just kind of, like, there were some people who were like, why are you firing your coach while you're in a playoff spot? Which was somewhat valid, but at the same time, it didn't work with the long-term vision of the team. And, um, and yeah, it was just, like, an interesting thing where I've always kind of felt there's been, like, a lot of favors. And there's definitely, like, an old boys club mentality, which everybody talks about. But it seems like you don't want to hurt people's feelings or say, like, oh, we can't get rid of this guy because of X, Y, and Z. We're in a playoff spot. You know, we're three points out of a playoff spot. We're 19 points out of a playoff spot, and Henrik Zetterberg is going to pull us into the playoffs, um, which is one of As soon as you said we can't, like, we're too nice to get rid of guys, and I'm like, and that's how people end up with seven-year, $30 million yeah, contracts. So, I mean, it's just, it's just uh, obviously, Carlisle has not been great for that team, and uh, I think it's been, um, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, we're going to go in a different direction because we've noticed this isn't working. I am going to take this opportunity. I know we were going to talk about Carlson, but we're actually, I think we should save him because that's going to be a, a longer topic that I want to dive into. 
with a bigger conversation for a future episode. He is good. There, we, t- we covered it. Uh, scored a lot of points recently. He's on my fantasy team, I've noticed. We're going to move into overtime, which, of course, is brought to you by our sponsor, Adam Lascaris. Adam Lascaris. He's, uh, he's here. Lascaris. Adam, no, he's, he was correct. Adam, no, it's Lascaris. Oh, okay. Adam Lascaris. Is it Lascaris? Use promo code EVAN. <laughs> hey. What? You're awake? For 10% off on Adam Lascaris' clothes. How are they doing? Hampus Lindholm. Ugh. Our first comment is from Kalen Wood uh, on Patreon, of course. Uh, he says, Dub Dub Boys, acknowledge how good that pass from Larkin to Heronic was. Again, please, as I'm sure you have already. Did we say it out loud, but I was thinking it. It is. That slap pass. It was so good. And admittedly, all the talk on Twitter after about how amazing that pass was. But can we take a second to just talk about that entire sequence from Philip Heronic? When that breakout started, he was behind his own hash marks. He just saw the lane took off and was a defenseman on the back post for a tapping goal off the rush. This is why I love this guy. But yeah, Larkin is unreal. Uh, Adam, acknowledge how good that pass from Larkin to Heronic was. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, but uh, see, cause, see, Pull I only up watch, the GIF. I only watch Sportsnet and TSN, and they only talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs for uh, 30 minutes, and then they get into 15 seconds about the other teams, right? I honestly don't know if you're being sarcastic or not, because there's <laughs> literally days like that. <laughs> it's funny, but... Uh, I think, although a, a point about that is, I think it's hilarious because, I mean, there's obviously a pushback, and uh, you know, it like it can be like disheartening when your team doesn't get covered. Like it's weird because if you follow like the NBA as a Raptors fan, it seems like sometimes that happens, or like the MLB like American coverage as a Jays fan, mm-hmm. uh, especially when the teams were good and it felt like they weren't being covered. Uh, but at the same time, I think that sometimes people miss just like how much of like a behemoth the Leafs fandom is in terms of like just how many fans there are and it's like scary. Oh, I understand why TSN and Sportsnet yeah. do it. I doesn't you, mean I have to like it. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> so I don't know. Even I think the funniest thing was uh Michael Carcioni who his name looks like Carcone. Mm. Um he was the highest viewed prospect on Elite Prospects <laughs> for a week. He was an AHL player who got traded for Josh Levo who is a Leafs fourth liner. Um Oh boy! I I'm gonna move along. He says, "Now that we have all changed our pants, Adam, what's the one thing you would trade from the Detroit organization for something in the Leafs organization?" And don't say Abby's contract for Nylanders. That's too easy. Okay. Um. I think if I were looking at this year, I would find a way to get Nyquist on as a rental. Um, because I think one thing that people have kind of realized is that the Leafs are hitting the end of Matthews and Marner's entry-level contracts, and they're cheap-ish, and I don't know exactly what their cap room is, but if they want to be creative and fit in another 4 to $5 million contract, they can do something, and I think a lot of people have been talking about Connor Brown could use a fresh start somewhere else, not saying necessarily that he'll go to the Red Wings, but I think if I were looking at trying to get somebody, they, I know Kyle Dubas has talked about not wanting to get strict rentals, which I don't know if he's fully serious about that or just talking up himself. But I think if I were looking, I think Nyquist would be where I would start and you would obviously fit in a package and it wouldn't just be a straight Connor Brown one for one because I think he's scored like four goals this season. He's not very good, but he's hit 20 goals in the past, right? So 
Well, actually, so Connor Brown and Timothy Liljegren, because I heard he was on the block. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was mentioned by Custance and uh, uh, I saw in, that in his twenty. And I think he's an interesting player because he was supposed to be top five in his draft. Some people put him as high as number one. Yeah, he was ranked at number nine. Yeah, <laughs> he was as high as number one initially, like at the start yeah. of the draft year, and then he got mono. And I think he's an interesting player because um, he's like. Well, the obvious com- comparison with any defenseman ever, for whatever reason, has always been Eric Carlson. And <laughs> because, as we established, he's one of three right-handed shooting defensemen in the league. Yeah, so um, so I think it's it's interesting because he didn't really have too much of a draft year, and he looked good before that. And then he came to the AHL, and his numbers were very good for an 18-year-old defenseman in the AHL, one of about three in history, um, because most players don't play in the AHL when they're 18. But I think if you kind of look at how things have shaped up with the Leafs um, and Rasmus Sandin slash Sandin, and nobody still hasn't mastered how to pronounce his last name, which is funny because it's a lot easier than Lil Lilligan. But um, <laughs> well, we'll uh, I think people like the Leafs might say, hey, yeah, we need to get something going in the next two to three years. And if uh, Lilligan's a piece who's making his biggest impact four years from now for us, if we can you know, capitalize on his maximum trade value now. Um, that being said, I don't know if a scoring winger for one season is the piece they want to move him for. That seems like it's a little that's, scary. That's fair. We'll throw in Trevor Daly. Um, yeah, you'll get a... He's a Add a second and I then believe. maybe I'll do it. Uh, so I I don't know if that's the move that they'd be doing, but um, it's just it's interesting where it seems like they... The Leafs could definitely part with something in their system. And yeah, like, I don't know if it's uh, it's another forward prospect. They don't have too many super high end, but I know Jeremy Bracco, I saw today, he's got 36 points in 36 AHL games. He's the best under 22 AHL scorer right now. And he did play for Kitchener, so we could have... So, you know, um, like there's uh, there's pieces in the system. And yeah, so um, my long answer would be I would look for Nyquist um, and then I would trade Anderson for Jimmy Howe. No, uh, <laughs> Um, he does go on to say off topic, and I'm answering this one. Uh, off topic, what is the defining characteristic of a good poutine? The curds, gravy, or fries? I've only had true poutine in Montreal, and it was perfect. The stuff in the States just isn't the same, but I can't quite pinpoint why. So I love some talking points. Cheers, fellas. All right, poutine, three main components, curds, gravy, fries. They're all important, and any one of them can make or break the poutine, but if you had to pick one, it's the cheese curd. It needs to be cheese curds. Cannot Do not put shredded cheese on there. Do not put... Craft singles. Do not put American. No, Colby. It's cheese curds, beef gravy, fries. Honestly, a lot of different fries work. I actually like the poutine that McDonald's does with the shoestring fries. Like you can go Gross. get crazy with the fries. That's like one of your top five worst takes on this podcast. Beef, do not come at me. I, with poutine. Sir. Okay, there are Ew. things. I love McDonald's fries. I love poutine. Does not mean they equal cheese curds, beef gravy, fries. You are. Good. Do not give me white. Gra- there's a there's a place in in Waterloo that gave me without warning. They called it a classic poutine, and then they gave me a curry gravy. Mm. That is not a classic poutine. That is a riff. Is that an Indian restaurant? <laughs> I was uh, I was in Detroit recently, and I got my own curly fries, and I just made a poutine because the Red Wings scored three goals. Um, oh, that's nice. He's uh, playing to his listeners. Uh, the Niebler says, "Sup, fellas? I traveled back uh, to Southern Ontario for the holidays." 
took in the Nashville game, and man, was it fun. So loaded. Loving the new arena. <laughs> that was definitely a good goal. Best case scenarios have happened uh, the past couple games. Red Wings are losing in regulation, but the scoring is driven by the youth. Could Larkin's ceiling be Shifley? Quick, yes or no? Adam. Um, yes or no? One yes word. Yes or no? Yes. Oh, nice. that, no, that's it. What? I kind of see this team mirroring how the Jets Adam. were a few years ago. Could Larkin equals okay. Shafley. Athanasiu equals Ehlers. Mantha equals Wheeler. Actually, I think Athanasiu is outproducing Ehlers right now. Yeah, but Mantha's not going to be Wheeler. Zadina no. equals Line. Yeah. Chalowski eh. equals Truba. Eh. Heronic no. equals Morrissey. And nice to be That's optimistic. That's a lot of hot takes. The, 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 the Heronic. And goalie prospect equals Hellebucky. <laughs> the Heronic versus Morrissey is not an egregious comparison. I could see that being his ceiling, but uh, there was a few reaches there. I think the biggest thing with prospect ceilings or player ceilings is no matter how deep or good your prospect pool is or isn't, you're going to miss on a few of them anyway. And yeah, you can't just like, if you slot in six guys and you try and compare them to another team, six guys that are their ceilings, you're probably, you will probably get four or if you're lucky three or four. And so um, it's like what I've been saying about the Red Wings 2018 draft with their first four picks. McIsaac, Bergeron, Valeno, Zadina, odds are two of them hit. And even if only two of them hit, that's still a good draft. Uh, he goes on to say, I know the comparables aren't accurate, but it's nice to be optimistic when this team, where this team could be in a few years. That's fair. Also getting lucky with the top draft pick. Anyways, what are your New Year's resolutions? I aim to lose 25 pounds in six weeks. Maybe I'll show you the results. Thanks. Hey, well, good luck. Uh, definitely you can do that. Brad uh, actually used to be 422 pounds before he started this podcast. Yes, and now I am. 413. Yeah, he used to eat uh, uh, curly fries for every Red Wings win, and so now <laughs> he's lost quite a bit of weight. Uh, one of my biggest New Year's resolutions, not my biggest, I think one of my most uh, impersonal ones that I'd be happy to say on air is to keep my car clean. Adam, don't say anything to the. <laughs> is there just little snowballs in McDonald's bags? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of. It's mostly coffee cups. Uh, One New Year's resolution, Brad. Um, outside of this podcast, I am trying to be a lot less cynical. Oh, God. He was already too happy. Old man shakes fist at cloud. <laughs> <laughs> what was the question oh, about? New Year's resolution. What is Hold it? On. Did you just say old man shakes fist at cloud? <laughs> yeah. That's this, the there's one that I have saved on my yeah. phone that I use quite often. Yeah. Uh, mine is to hang out with my friends more. Well, that's nice. Are we your friends? No. No. <laughs> I was going to say. Like, you hang Listen, out. I've known most of my friends since I was like five to seven years old. You, ha- you spend and more yet, time hold with on. us. Yes. And yet, if you go to Evan's Facebook right now, his profile picture is a picture of the three of us. From your wedding that I haven't <laughs> right? changed since then. <laughs> that was Evan's Tinder profile up until he started dating his uh, girlfriend. Yep. That's cute. Yeah. Uh, New Year's resolution. Well, I was going to say something similar to Evan, actually, but it was to make more friends because I have, like, obviously a bunch of random people I talk to on Twitter. And, like, I've met various people by just talking to them through Twitter. <laughs> and I was just, like, I've just, like, messaged. Uh, yeah, so my goal is to, like, go out for, like, drinks or whatever with, with like, 12 new people. So, like, an average of one a month. Um, so, I mean, like, in Toronto, there's a lot of people, obviously. So, uh, just, like, meet more people. So You can use Tinder and Grinder. And, yeah. Yeah, and Twitter. So. Um, Joe Caboose119Z says, How power play? We don't have an answer for that. We will get back to you, Joe. Uh, um, is that not, how power play happens? No, just no. how power play? When 
ref <laughs> and a penalty love each other very much. <laughs> uh, Rowan says, greeting fellow Darren Helm fans. You have one here in Adam. Uh, enjoying the talk of potential trades and UFAs from last episode. Brad mentioned Tyler Myers, but overlooked the strained relationship between the Jets and my boy Truba. <laughs> this is long, so bear with me. Truba has one more RFA year left, and given his history, is unlikely to sign long-term with them, and I'll bet he ends up in arbitration again. Chevy probably knows he has to trade him at some point, so perhaps Myers is retained and Truba's moved out. Probably not this season, but perhaps the 2020 deadline. Could it be a diminishing or could be a diminishing return if his desire is to come home back to Michigan and would be a pure rental at that point for any team? Here's the fun part of my diatribe, though. That's right, it's offer sheet discussion time. Anything yeah. from about six million to about eight million, and I'm suggesting he is paid eight million, but he's probably gonna get six million plus, costs a first, second, and third round pick in I think the following draft. Just under six million is a first and a third. Assuming the Wings somehow nabbed another twenty nineteen first and say a second or third, won the lottery and drafted Hughes, would you be upset if the Wings offer sheeted Truba to essentially guarantee your top pair of demon at future costs, or would you be more inclined to wait until the following year? When he's a UFA and costs nothing. 100% ways to the following year, and I will happily take both Myers and Truba. Uh, well, I think I might have, like, there was a lot of things there, but, like, if you offer sheet someone, you have to offer them your first-round picks. It, it has to be, to be yours. Yeah, so I don't know if that, like, was taken into account there, because it seems like it might not have been. Oh, bro, and he's calling you out, man. Yeah, because that, um, that pick might be legitimately <laughs> top five, so... Uh, yeah, and, like, uh... So, I mean, they could acquire something, but you'd have to be giving up the Wings pick. And you'd be trading a first-round pick with a team that's worse than the Wings if you want it. Like, you don't want to give away your best pick. So, that's, like, the biggest issue. I don't think the Wings should offer a sheet to basically anybody. Um, Except Austin Matthews. Yeah, they can offer a sheet to Austin Matthews, and then he would... I don't know. Yeah, and then you I can have four straight top like, five could, picks. Could you imagine if... Like, if that scenario ever came about, that would just be so strange. <laughs> I'm not saying I want Detroit to do it, but I am. And I'm not even saying I want it to be Matthews or Marner, but God, I want to see the chaos reign from like a top and legitimate superstar get offer sheeted. Great point. Legitimate superstar. Uh, different angle as well. A trade because Chevy knows the situation and the Wings are a logical trade partner. Jensen, which would replace the right handed defenseman, assuming we still have him, probably needs to be a 2021st. And maybe a prospect, sorry, Yarby. So Jensen, a first, and sorry, Yarby, for his rights, assuming you know he's going to sign. Just something to ponder. Would you trade that? Um, I would happily trade away Detroit's 2021st. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I I think uh, if they get another one, I don't know. Like, That might be a little rich. Uh, how, how old is Truba now? He's getting 26, 25, 26. 25, 26. I, like, I'm not as big on Truba as other guys. He's though. 24. Oh, he's younger than I thought he was. He's turning 25 in a month. I think Truba, not not to say he's the same type of player as Shalowski, but I think their ceilings are similar. Really good number two, good number three. That's probably where they're at. Uh, actually, on that, when is Warensky UFA 2022? Uh, he's coming back as well. Can't no wait. Way he's a UFA Michigan for 60 is going to be through the roof. John Gordon says, hi, boys. Been tuning in for a while now and still entertaining as ever. I think you're a new patron or newish, so welcome, John, to the family. Uh, he says, thanks for doing what you do, guys. I'd love to hear a fleshed-out version of what you think of the All-Star jerseys. A lot of my buddies, who are mostly non-hockey fans, love the jerseys, uh, both how they look and that they're made via unusual and ecological methods. Seems like something I'd be more open to donning to a party than a game. Um, also, could you guys come up with an alternative narrative uh, for Abdelkader just being around? I need something to make sense of the fact that he's actually someone who deserves to play a professional sport. Uh, let's go back to the All-Star jerseys because I think that's easier to have a topic out of. Right, so here's the question. Are all the jerseys that are going to be producing and selling in stores made by these recycled products or is it just the 
20 no, all of them all of them okay yeah, yeah. that makes a big difference because yeah. if, if oh boy 30 jerseys are ecologically uh, friendly I, I don't care think well I think it's like an interesting thing because if you go to like the way that major sports leagues like to tie themselves to certain causes um like if you look at what the NFL and the MLB do with like um, military and like breast cancer, most of the time you'll look into the things and be like, oh, a portion of the proceeds will go to this cause, and it'll end up being like one percent or like two point five percent. And even though it's like a admirable ish thing to do to like tie it to this cause, like I hope there's more coming because realistically, like nobody's like saving the oceans because they like decided to make some jerseys with like. Pl- like garbage plastic so i think like i hope there's more coming because that would be nice to come and like san jose there's a team literally called the sharks and like if you pay any attention to like worldwide shark populations like <laughs> there are sharks that get killed for soup there are sharks that get killed because people are afraid of sharks um there's a lot of things they could do um so i hope that there's more involved with it otherwise it seems like it's like empty activism um, hashtag millennials. Um, <laughs> Adam confirmed sharks fan. Yeah, um, um, I'm I, actually a fan of the baby shark, which we were talking about earlier. It's on the Billboard Hot 100. Baby shark. So the jerseys, when I first saw them, I was like, eh, whatever. But I think how I'm going to feel about them is pretty much how I feel about the Centennial Classic jerseys, which is that I hated Detroit's, and then now I want one. They're cool in that if you don't treat them seriously. I'm lukewarm on them. I don't hate them. I don't love them. I, I, I like the activism part of it because, um, again, and the one way Adam forgot that sharks also get killed is be a chain via chainsaw while falling out of a tornado. Oh, great movies. Um, I've watched <laughs> all of them. Philip Gastineau, who Did I believe actually? is a new patron. So welcome to the fam- family, Philip, and thank you for supporting the show. He says, hey, started listening in the summer to get my hockey fix in. I love how you guys talk about systems and advanced stats. It really helps break down what a good what it makes a play slash coach good or not. Every episode leaves me with questions, but no way to ask them. So here I am. Well, this is the perfect way to do it. He asks, if CBY isn't coming home, who would you replace Holland with? I think Holland has been on the bottom half of the GMs of the past five years. However, there's no one on the market I trust anymore. Yes, he could do more, but his mistakes aren't that bad. I would much rather sign veterans to a little too much money than trade away star players because of attitude problems, which half the league seems to do. I think if a GM that is not part of the old boys club comes along, i.e. Dubis, uh, we let Holland go. But besides that, keep him. When it is all said and done, does he deserve to be Hall of Fame? Oh, God, yeah. He's going in as a builder first ballot. 100%. He's Anyways. got four. He's got three or four cups as a GM. How do you not? Who would you replace Holland with if not Iserman? Tyler Dello. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I think the thing about being a GM is, um, like, you look at other sports, and hockey, I mean, it's been beaten to death, but hockey has this thing where you need a hockey man. And I think the dumb thing about hockey is, like, it's honestly a very simple sport. You get the puck from your zone to the other zone. You get the puck in the team's net. And it seems like there's this, like, people think that you need to have this genius hockey IQ or whatnot. And it's like, maybe, yeah, you don't think the game the same when you're on the ice. But, like, most people can, if they spend the time, you know, you can spend 30 seconds and watch the game afterwards and break down the play and see what went wrong and whatever. And you, if you have smart people who can think about good asset management and whatnot like i don't know why the fact that you were like a third line ahl player which a lot of gms are or you know you you had this various experience um like i think some teams have been definitely pushing away from like the hockey man lifer narrative and they've been doing it with success and i i think that 
like the the right candidate doesn't necessarily need to be some big sexy name, but I think you can pull in like at least bring in an AGM and bring in someone who can learn the culture. And I don't know too much about Detroit's assistant general managers right now, but I feel like there's not a great replacement in the wings. Chris Draper Draper is part of the progressive group and Ryan Martin is part of the old boys club. Uh, Yeah. So I think it's like, I don't know if you, if you listen to any people, any types of like smart GMs, obviously being in Toronto, I've heard a lot of the Kyle Dubas's and the 17 other stats guys they have in their, and stats woman as well. Um, so I think if you listen to just the folks in those groups, um, it, it's weird how in baseball it's become, you know, nobody remembers Theo Epstein's baseball career. Where did he play? Like, I don't know. like The Cubs. <laughs> like, but everybody remembers his managerial career where he brought two teams who had not won in three generations to seven generations. <coughs> so I think it's just weird how there's this like, superiority with hockey that you can't understand this game which is played within a 200 foot box and it's like you can't understand it unless you played at the highest level you're being very jeff merrick ron mcclain right now yeah former guest of the wing wheel podcast. former guest of the wing wheel. oh my god was the wing wheel that. podcast uh tim henderson says hey guys i was curious how you feel about chaloski lately i feel all the attention has been on jensen but i feel that chaloski has been making more of an impact thoughts uh, yes, because Nick Jensen has the offensive IQ of a wiener dog. Uh, they're pumping up. It's all. It's a. Uh, it's a conspiracy from big trade deadline to pump up Nick Jensen's trade value. Honestly, I don't know if they're doing it on purpose, but it's actually working. It's working. Yeah, he's getting a lot of attention. <laughs> he's getting a lot of attention. He's playing anywhere from like twenty-four to twenty-eight minutes a night. He is what he is. He's not been playing any better. He's just been playing more. And the thing is, it's all relative. He skates so much better than the rest of the defense on this team that he just looks infinitely better but again there's a reason he's only scored goals in one game this year he has two but they both came in the same game against toronto um, where he's again there there's guys who think the game well there's guys who have the tools and then there's guys who do both nick jensen has the tools he doesn't have the hockey iq to be an elite defenseman but he skates he can shoot you guys need nick jensen um I've been he slotted the, in on the second pairing, honestly. Uh, yeah, well, it's the thing we were saying before, but like right defensemen, the Leafs have like three probably negative value right defensemen. Um, so my point about Chalowski, which uh, I was talking to Ryan about it a while ago, is I think there's there's a bias where players have a very good start of the season, whether it's ten games, twenty games, and. Um, the narrative gets like crafted around them, and then it almost seems like you can't go away from it. I'm just, this is just like pulling up his game log since November 28th. Chalowski has three points, which obviously there's a lot more defensemen than points, but that's almost a full half of the season where he's putting up three points. That's basically my whole point on him. I don't have much more to it, but um, <laughs> Nick Jensen. welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Well, we were talking about Chalaski at some point. Um, we weren't always talking about Airbnbs, but um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, Nick Jensen uh, could be traded. Uh, he probably should be traded. Uh, Chalaski probably should no, I uh, probably shouldn't be <laughs> traded. But 
Careful. Uh, there is, uh, I don't know, there's bias about uh, a lot of things. Um, Evan Beckner says, so how about those all surgeries, eh? I might grab a Howard one. Last podcast, you guys were talking about how dominant Tampa Bay has been. If you had to put money on Tampa Bay or the field to win the Stanley Cup, who would you choose? I would choose the field literally every year, every time you ask that question. I'm, I'm going to choose the field because Tampa has been in this situation before, not to the point where they were this dominant, but they've already been... They've already basically lost two cups due to a Ben Bishop injury and a Tyler Johnson broken wrist and a couple other and a Steven Stamkos injury. They just have that habit of when the playoffs roll around and they get deep into the playoffs, everybody gets injured. Key players get injured. So Nikita Kucherov is inevitably breaking his ankle in the second round this year. Yeah, and I think even if you don't think it's obviously there's not 30 other teams that are going to win the cup, but let's say it's even seven. Like I remember. Another point from uh, Dom Lustischen. Uh, Bless you. Him. Uh, he. Uh, He's never coming on the show now. No. Uh, no, he... Uh, Not he, that he would have. He made a point a few years ago, and it was uh, the 2017 playoffs, and he had Washington as the favorites to win the cup. And they were about 23%, I think, according to his model. And they didn't win the cup, obviously. Um, and so, like, people were saying, like, oh, your model's wrong. And he's like... I said there was a 77% chance that they wouldn't win the cup. And no matter how good, like, you would put... Even if you put Tampa Bay, like, I don't know how you put them higher than 30% against the rest of the league um, to win their cup. Just, you have to win four playoff rounds. They didn't do it last year. I mean, nobody would have said going into the playoffs that Washington is the team to beat. And they did it. Uh, The year before that, Pittsburgh. I still don't know if they were the team to beat. Probably not. And they did it. Um, The year before that was also Pittsburgh. So... It's more likely than not that the team to beat doesn't win it every year. Uh, Advanced Water says, hey, guys, been fighting off a bad cold. You and me both, both, buddy. Slept through the Red Wings game, gave away my tickets to the Ducks game, and missed the cool hat giveaway. Ah, I wanted one of those. Uh, Tell me something positive about the Wings to cheer me up, or if that's too hard, just compliment Larkin. Uh, Philip Ronick has been really good lately. His His progression has actually been increasing since he's got recalled. Uh, the one thing that makes me nervous about Mike Green coming back tomorrow is that they'll send him back down. And uh, with the way he's been playing lately, I don't think Philip Ronick should ever play another AHL game. Uh, Adam, in, in so you can't qualify it with a bunch of bad stuff, in 15 words or less, say a nice thing about the Red Wings. Uh, they have won more than one Stanley Cup since 1967. Oh, look um, at that. He's self-aware. Evan. What's the question? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. My Braden point just... Pulled my fantasy team out from the depths tonight. <coughs> I was looking at that. Um, one good thing about the Red Wings. Oh, they're getting younger. We're a team. We're a team. <laughs> uh, with that, we're going to wrap up this week's episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Everyone, if you want to check out Adam's work on the interwebs, he is uh, funnier online than he is looking, and he's very funny looking. Adam, your handle on Twitter is at Adam underscore Lascaris. Yeah, that is. Uh, you can find my website. Uh, their handle is at TLNDC. That's uh, theleafsnation.com if you were wondering what the DC is. Um, you finish it off. On Twitter for us, at Winged Wheel Pod. Follow that account. Follow our personal accounts. We love interacting with you guys. Thank you to all of our Patreon patrons, all of our supporters, our name level sponsors Sean Levine, Chad Hiresack, Sky Carcass, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Langabeer, Derek Shippert, Ryan Lewis, Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, Stan Olson, Dan Bell, and Hanley. Thank you all so much. Uh, we will see you uh, on Sunday. Uh, hold tight until then. And uh, Adam, we will have you back. Well, we'll have you back sometime. 
Well, depends on how well the Leafs are doing. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. So thanks for listening. And uh, if anyone wants to uh, start up my GoFundMe for my GoTrain expenses, do the uh, next uh... end the episode. End the episode. <laughs> Thank you.